Last week, my wife had to, um, to leave town and to, uh, to go and to tend to her mother who was in the hospital. And so with great fear and trepidation, she looked at me and said, Joe, you're in charge now. Um, take good care of these boys. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm trusting you here with a lot. And, and so she took off and, and I was really in charge. I had to, you know, make sure that homework got done and and kids got picked up from practice, um, and, uh, and they got to practice and, and got to school, and I even had to employ Frank in, in getting him home for practice one day. And I had to be in charge of meals. And so for all of you who have stock in McDonald's, thank me for your dividend, okay? And uh, all the things that you have to do. But, but the most difficult thing for me when, when I'm in charge is, is cleaning. I'm just not that tidy of a person. I spend half my life looking for my car keys, which I never put in the same place twice. I'm always out and about doing this. And so, well, you can imagine what the house started to look like after a week. And, and, uh, and toward the end of the week, uh, I did what, um, well, what a lot of husbands would do in my situation. I spent a whole day cleaning. You know, I, I made beds for the first time in several days. And, and uh, I, I loaded the dishwasher. And I unloaded it and loaded it again because there were that many. And, uh, and, and I, I ran the vacuum and I hid dirty clothes under the bed. Uh, and all those sorts of things, you know. I didn't really. I hid them in the basement. But, um, and, and then I, 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 I picked up the phone because just as, as, as my wife was heading home, I was heading out. And I was taking the boys and we were going we to cross paths on the highway. And, and so I called her and I said... You know, honey, I have a safe trip, and um, and you know, I miss you. I'll see you when I get home. And 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 by the way, just remember that I was here all week without you. You know, and 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 you know. And she says, "Oh, I can imagine the house is a mess. I'm sure. Don't worry. I'll clean it up when I get there." She's so sweet like that. But um, but then as I, I head out, I, I kind of felt a little you know happy because I knew that it, it really wasn't. It, I mean, it wasn't great, but, but it was livable, enough that she would be surprised, and, and sure enough, she was. I'm driving down the road, and she called, and she says, I just walked in, and, and there are no socks hanging from the, from the ceiling fan, and, and there are no pizza boxes stacked up, and it's amazing, and who'd you hire? You know, that sort of thing. And she was really happy with us, and, and, and I was thrilled. You know, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I at least know how to, uh, to, to make it through these sorts of things, to stay in my wife's good graces. Think, though, how different a situation can be, though. Um, for those of you who were children or have had children, and you've walked into their bedroom, and, and it's a disaster. And, and I don't know about girls, because all we had boys, but... Boys to smell. You know, you walk in and, and it's dirty and you say, my Lance, what is this? What, you know, this place needs cleaned up. You're not going anywhere until this room is clean. You've heard that or said that, right? You remember those days. You're not going anywhere until this room is cleaned up. And then they stomp and storm and, and they do it. Now, I clean with a, with a definite self-interest. There's no, I mean, don't, don't knight me for any sort of reason or, 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 or think that I'm a saint because I'm certainly not. But it's different, isn't it? When a husband or a wife does something out of an act of love or a friend does something out of an act of kindness versus the one who does something because they're compelled to do it, because they've been ordered to. It's different when you do something from the heart than when you do it as a response to an order. 
And that's exactly what the prophet Isaiah is talking about in this passage that was read today. The prophet Isaiah brings a charge against Israel. Notice he calls them, you rulers of Sodom, you leaders of Gomorrah. This is very provocative language in their ears. They're, they're aghast that he would say this. In fact, the prophet speaks for God and says, God wants to know who asked this from you. Who asked for this type of worship? Now, the people are going to worship. They're going to the temple. They're bringing their sacrifices. They're singing their songs. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And God, or Isaiah says, God wants to know who asked for these sacrifices. I think the people might have scratched their heads at this point and said, um, well, actually it was God who demanded this from us. Perhaps, Isaiah, you should read the Torah, read the Bible. It's right here. Let me read it for you from the book of Leviticus. The Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. The Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him. Speak to the people of Israel. Say to them, when any of you bring an offering of livestock to the Lord, you shall bring your offering from the herd of the livestock, and you shall lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering. It shall be acceptable on behalf of you. The bull shall be slaughtered before the, before the Lord, and Aaron's sons the priest shall offer the blood, dashing the blood against the sides of the altar that's at the entrance of the tent of meeting. God said, this is how you're to do it. Now I know that this is kind of repulsive to, to uh, 21st century Western ears, but the sacrifice of animals, their splashing of their blood against the altar, this was part of the Lord's decree. Isaiah says, who told you to do this? The people undoubtedly said, well God did of course. We're doing it exactly the way He commanded. And I think if Lee Corso had been there, he would say, not so fast my friend. No, no, no. That's not at all what God is saying. Because you see, you forgot one very important predicate. There's one thing that you should do long before you offer any sacrifice. And that is that you should seek inward righteousness before you're worried about outward conformity. You should worry about inward holiness before you're worried about liturgical precision. These are the things that God is most concerned about. In fact, the language is clean. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean, God says to the people of Israel. Jesus said it like this to the Pharisees of His day. You're like beautiful tombs that outwardly are very appealing to the eye, but inwardly are filled with dead men's bones. You keep all the right rules. You go through all the right liturgical precision. But inwardly, you're filled with death. That's what He says to the people of Israel in his day. It's the same story that appears in the New Testament, in the gospel lesson today. The story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was really a rotten person. He, was, um, he had made his wealth uh, by cheating and extorting people out of theirs. He was not a good man. But he hears Jesus and suddenly what does he say? I'm sorry. Let me right the wrongs that I've made. In fact, I want to right them in a way that goes above and beyond what I've done. Zacchaeus has a change of heart. And this is exactly what the prophet Isaiah is saying. He's saying God wants a change of heart before He wants you to conform outwardly to these types of, of rituals. In fact, did you hear the, the, the language? Bring an offering is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. 
This is what God is saying. Your worship makes me nauseous. In fact, when you come to worship Israel, I'm going to put my hands over my eyes. I'm going to stuff cotton in my ears so that I cannot hear you and I cannot see you. This is a hard word to the nation of Israel. Your liturgy is futile. Your worship is an abomination. You have made me weary. But there's hope, isn't there? You caught it. You knew, you knew I, was, I was saving it. It's there. But come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. How? How will this happen? Only when the people's hearts are open to change. When they want an inward change, then everything that's on the outside will match what's on the inside. And that's indeed what God wants from us. God does indeed want our worship. He does want us to sing our songs, to say our prayers, to, to come to the table as it is now. He wants this, but He wants the inside to first be there, to first be right, before there's any sort of outside conformity. Today is the eve of All Saints' Day. The old English word for saint or for holy is hallow. Today is All Hallows' Eve. All Halloween. You know, this, is the, this is the eve where we prepare to, to celebrate the day where we recognize all the saints who have ever lived in the church. It's a bit ironic that people dress up in scary costumes, but we'll save that for just a moment, and, and, or for a long time really, and, and, and not think about that, but rather think about the, the day that, we, that we're looking forward to, this All Saints Day. All Saints Day, I think, works in a couple ways for us. On the one hand, it can be a real encouragement, can't it? We can think about people like St. Teresa, or St. Patrick, St. Paul. St. Francis, whatever. We can think of all these saints and we think about their lives. And if we read about their lives, we say to ourselves, Wow, you know, I'd really like to be like that. I read the lives of the saints and, and they, they just they thrill me. I think to myself, oh, that's the kind of person I want to be. But sometimes I read them and I think to myself, I could never be like that. And it becomes overwhelming to me. I get discouraged and I think, well, I could never really be that kind of saint. A few months ago, I was reading Thomas Merton's autobiography, Seven Story Mountain. And, and he's going through this time in his life where he's struggling. He, he, um, he can teach at a university. He has a Columbia degree. He's, um, he's uh, teaching at, um, at, a, at a university, uh, St. Bonaventure in New York. And he's teaching English and poetry, and he's doing well. But inwardly, he's struggling. He feels a call to the monastic life. And so he doesn't know, do I, do I stay as a university professor or, or do I become a monk? And so he's going through this long period of struggle and eventually he sees a friend and he's talking to him and he's telling him about this struggle. And his friend says to him, well, Thomas, what do you most want to do with your life? And he says, that's exactly the point. I don't know. I don't know what I most want to do with my life. I don't know if I want to be a professor or if I want to be a monk. And his friend said, you see... That's the problem. The answer is neither. It's not whether you're going to be a professor or be a monk. Here's what you should most want to do with your life. You should most want to be a saint. You know, the only thing that keeps us from holiness is desire. God wants it for us. God gives us every grace and every opportunity. God wants us to want that. He, he, he wills that we would want that. Do you want holiness? Because if you do, well, you can have it. 
You can have inward transformation as well as outward conformity. You see, today is also Reformation Day in many churches. They recognize this day in 1517. On this very day in 1517, a young monk, his name was Martin. He went up to the castle church doors and um, he put a protest (laughs) against the, the Pope. He actually nailed it to the front door of the church so that when everybody showed up on All Saints Day, they would see his protest. He had 95 things he was really upset about. He was really upset about mostly one thing. There was this guy whose name was John Tetzel who was going around selling pieces of paper that said, fill in the blank, has permission to be freed from purgatory because fill in the blank gave money to the church. This really didn't happen. They were called indulgences. And people would go out and they would buy them for their parents. But then they started buying them for themselves. And they were thinking, well, this is kind of like a get out of hell free card. You know, I can just buy, fill, fill this out and, and I can do whatever I want. And Luther was so upset. This young monk Martin was so upset that he said, no, this is not what the church is about. This is not what God wants. God does not want you simply to, to look outwardly like you're okay. He wants inward transformation. This was the whole point of the Reformation about inward holiness. Uh, just this last week, um, uh, Jim Gosser and I went up to this church that was closing in, in Cleveland. And we went up there to look. The, 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 the people there had told us um, they had some kneelers on their pews and they thought we might could use them. And, and if we wanted them, we could have them. And so we went up there to say, oh, well, let's see if these things will work. And, and we went up to look at them and I think they're going to work, by the way. And so we were really excited about that. And, and uh, we're looking around. But if you went in the church, it was really strange. Because when we pulled up, it was just a beautiful building. And when we went in, the lights were all off. It was dark. There were tables stacked up on top of the pews. And partitions in the church. And, and there were boxes all stacked around the altar. And I went back into the sacristy. And it had, it had all kinds of uh, kitchen equipment. And I looked into the confessional booths in the back and they were being used as storage closets with mops and brooms and buckets. And I almost began to cry. It was really sort of an overwhelming experience. Because I thought about all the people who had gathered there all through the years to pray, to come and and hear the word of the Lord and, and sermon and scripture, who sang songs, confessed their sins, received restoration and reconciliation with God and with their neighbor. Now, it's good that this building is going to be used to feed people. And I, I think that's great and it's wonderful. But I couldn't help but to be sad. I couldn't help but to be sad about the fact that, that this building outside looked like a church. But inside, there would be no more worship, no more songs, no more, no more sermons, no more people gathering on Christmas Eve. Outward, it looked like a church. Inwardly. It was empty. It's a real pity when the outside doesn't match the inside, isn't it? And it's a very, very glorious thing. And only a thing that God can do when the inside really does match the outside. Amen.